2: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
5: We had the chance to interview Jimmy Buffett a couple years ago, and I've met Jimmy Buffett before, and I'm a casual fan. I've seen him perform a couple times,
1: but Eddie is—I mean, you're a diehard Jimmy Buffett fan. Oh, since I was in high school, like a friend of mine gave me a CD. I listened to it. And I'm like, God, this guy is speaking to me. Every song on that CD, and it's—it's it's the greatest hits one. It's called Jimmy Buffett Songs You Know by Heart, and you listen to it from top to bottom. It's like, oh my gosh, this is the life I want to live. You know, it opens with like Cheeseburger in Paradise where you're like, yeah, who doesn't love cheeseburgers? And then closes with like Volcano. It's like just a beach song of like, I don't know. I don't know. And it's just so Jamaica sounding. Like, I just, dude, I, the thing about Jimmy Buffett was like, it just took you, as soon as you listen to a song, it took you to another place. It took you out of wherever you were. It took you to a beach somewhere with a drink in your hand. I love that.
5: And you love beaches and drinks and hands. I do. So <laughs> All those things. Those things. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy Buffett passed away of skin cancer. Yeah, ironically. Yeah, which was uh, pretty crazy there. Not
1: ironically. I mean, well, I,
5: I I mean he was in the sun a lot. A,
1: anytime you saw a picture of him, he was mm-hmm. on a boat fishing in the sun, surfing. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I guess, you, you know, what's crazy is no one knew that he had skin cancer. Right. He kept it secret for, I think, four years, they were saying. Uh, I think a close few friends of the family knew, but he didn't, and apparently that was just his style. He's like, he wasn't going to burden all his fans and tell them, like, hey, I got cancer. I'm going to go pretty soon. Did it make you sad when he died?
5: Absolutely. Weird, huh? That uh, somebody you never knew, but somebody it feels
1: like you know, die, and it makes you feel sad. When you know so much about their life, you know, I mean, anything they, they fed you, I don't, you know, I, I, I grew up and realized that, Obviously that's not how Jimmy lived his life every day. He was an entertainer. He was a businessman. He started the Margaritaville brand, you know, like he had how many hotels and resorts. Like mm-hmm. he worked a lot. He didn't just chill on the beach and drink. And so I think I realized that when I got older, but it was still just cool to and I loved following him on Instagram because on Instagram he was always riding a bike somewhere or on an island somewhere on a boat. And so that was really cool. And so when you learn all that stuff about a person and read so much about a person and read the stories, and then from other artists that have hung out with them, you read their stories, you really feel like you know that person. So when you lose them, you're like, oh, man, we lost, we lost a good one. And he was still putting out music today. Still writing. Same vibe. Same vibe. A little older, obviously. The thing about Jimmy is like he, he would always write about his time you know, is like if he's 70 years old, he's writing about Medicare. You know, if he was 20, he was writing about hooking up with chicks. It's
5: like our show, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we have not on our show done what consultants traditionally want a show to do where they identify an age group and this is your target audience. I've always felt like my target audience are people that I talk to because I'm talking about my life, our lives, what we're going through. I'm not going to fake it. Right. And so, you know, we used to be on that younger... Okay, you're 18, 24. Okay, now you're 25. So, but I just, I I never purposefully changed. I just changed as a person, and so my work changed with it. It sounds like that's what Jimmy Buffett did too.
1: Yeah, and and, and, you know, now after he passed, you start seeing the people that are kind of honoring him on on Instagram, and you see like, man, he hung out with Don Johnson all the time. He hung out with Miami Vice. Miami Vice, like just... People, Paul McCartney wrote this thing about him, how he was just a really good friend of Paul McCartney, and you'd think, like, Jimmy Buffett was a simple dude. Yeah, he was a rich guy, but he was a guy from Louisiana, you know, Alabama. He's from the South? Yeah, he's from the South. I thought he was from some island I'd never heard of that only he owned and only he lived on. His story was crazy. You know, he came to Nashville. He was a journalist major, I believe, and he came to Nashville to write for Billboard magazine. Wait, what? Yeah. He moved to Nashville to write for Billboard magazine. He wrote for them for like a couple years. First of
5: all, I didn't know he lived in Nashville.
1: Yeah, his first record label, his first records were here in Nashville. It was was country music. He was chasing country music. Then he did a couple— To to write about it. Just to do country. To be a country artist. So then he was writing about it just to make some money while he was also pursuing it? He was, Yeah. Oh, he would write for Billboard. It was just, you know, like a job. Yeah. Just a job working for Billboard and still writing music. That's where he became friends with Jerry Jeff Walker here in Nashville. And they would write songs, and then he got a record deal. He made two albums in that deal. The, 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 the records were terrible. They weren't good at all. Well, what were they sounding like? Were just they... pretty generic country. Country? 1970s non... country. Mm, like
5: Nashville sound type stuff? Totally.
1: Yeah. And so, n- not what Jimmy Buffett sounds like at all. And so then he goes over to, to Florida, I think, for like a trip over in Key West, falls in love with it, and says, you know what? I'm just going to move over there and see what happens. So he goes over there, meets a bunch of people, starts writing about them, their life. And that's kind of how he got the whole beach vibe, and then he's Beach Willie
5: Nelson. Yeah, totally. I, failed, failed here, had a little, had a little, little bump, but then failed, went back home or went somewhere else to, to screw it. I'm just gonna go back and do it, and then found his own niche when he decided to do it his own way. That's it. Dang, Jimmy Buffett, rest in peace. Thought we would play this interview back, and I would never have done this interview without Eddie. I knew Eddie wanted to hop in and. <laughs> Thought it was cool. So I here, appreciate it. Here that. you go. Here on the BobbyCast, it's uh, us talking with Jimmy Buffett.
2: This is the BobbyCast.
5: Jimmy, how are you? Good. <laughs> hey, so, yeah,
3: had a good week.
5: <laughs> where are you right now?
3: I am in my studio in Sag Harbor, New York. I just got back from California, but that's where I've been for three months, uh, sitting it out.
5: You know, you're playing the Opry on June 27th, and I. I host that TV show, I play the Opry a lot, i produce in the TV show as well, and I was very excited to know a couple of weeks ago that you had come on, had to keep it quiet, which is a big deal for me to keep something quiet, because not what I'm paid to do is keep things quiet. So how long ago did you decide, or did you get the call to play the Grand Ole Opry?
3: Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what Bob, there's a long history, because once upon a time when I was a struggling songwriter in Nashville, I had to get a real job and it wound up being for Billboard magazine. And I was working for the editor named Bill Williams at that time. And he took me down because at that point in time was when they started the Friday Night Opry. So I covered the Opera for Billboard back in, like, 1971. So, and then when they did the Johnny Cash show from the Ryman, my wife at the time was the assistant talent coordinator. So I got to go to all those shows. So I've had a long time desire to play it the only time i ever played the ramen was once with jenny lewis and then when this way when the pandemic came and mac uh called me and said that they'd been doing these shows and i saw the one that Vince and marty and uh i think brad paisley did i just i loved what they were doing and they reached out to me and i said i would be honored to do it so that's how it happened
5: well jimmy will be making his grand ole opry debut june 27th and brad paisley mac McAnally and jimmy buffett congratulations by the way your uh record number two on the billboard 200 lady gaga was the only person to beat you i don't know if you heard from her but she she was talking a lot of crap jimmy
3: uh you know i met her one time yeah i've always liked what she does because you know she's a real player and a real singer you know that came up through bars and uh you know i think we have that in common people that do that seem to be able to to do okay and uh she couldn't have been nicer when I when I met her uh, briefly, and so yeah, I like being number two to the Lady Gaga. <laughs> I'm okay with that. And, and, yeah, but I'm number one country. Da 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 da.
5: You know, I think a lot of people don't realize, or maybe they don't remember, that you've had two number one songs on the country chart specifically with Alan Jackson and Zach Brown Band. Like, how did those collaborations come together?
3: You know, it was. Uh It was again, you know, all that time spent. You know, it it was obvious to a lot of people that, you know, that uh, Nashville went to the beach about ten years ago, and I guess I was kind of the guide. And you know, when when country music went to the beach, uh, everybody kind of was wanting to check in. And uh, you know, Alan called me, and at that time he was being managed by Howard Kaufman, who was my manager as well. And I was again honored. I thought, yeah, this would be fun to do, you know, because I wasn't. I haven't had a lot of big uh, radio hits. I think 2.1 <laughs> in, in 40 years, but we managed to do okay. So, you know, it was great meeting those those kids and kids at that time, like Alan and Zach, who you know had kind of followed me. Everybody kind of starts out, you know, emulating somebody else. I loved uh, Gordon Lightfoot and uh, and Merle Haggard, you know, and uh, you try to emulate and then find your own self. So I felt honored that people kind of thought that much of it. And so that's how it happened.
5: We're talking with Jimmy Buffett right now. You know, you talked about living in Nashville back in the day, which a lot of people may not even know or even associate you with Nashville. But were you back, and who was kind of uh, emerging as a big country artist when you were living here?
3: Well, again, I was co- I was covering, the, uh, covering uh, the, the whole scene for a Billboard, and I also, uh, at, at that time, it was like, uh, you know, God, I guess... Uh, uh, People on the charts then were like, uh, I remember Lynn Lynn Anderson had Rose Garden, that was a big one, and I got to hang out with Glenn uh, uh, Billy Cheryl and uh, and Glenn Lynn's uh, husband who wrote, and uh, and also um, Lefty Frizzell cut one of my songs back then, Railroad and Lady. That's the first song I ever got cut in Nashville. <laughs> and, and Waylon Jennings said he went to Paris, and those about the only two songs I ever got cut in that day when I was trying, so. You know, and it was kind of pre-Outlaw, but still, I'd go to the Opry, but I always I always loved shows with Little Jimmy Dickens, Farron Young, those kind of people, and, of course, uh, Dolly. You know. And so, yeah, that was what was going on at the time. And then I also got to cover Muscle shows in Memphis and what was going on in Macon, so I was covering, you know, when all that was kind of exploding out of the South at that time, I covered that, too.
5: Did you ever think in some bizarro world that you would have been just a great reporter and you would have, you know, maybe been dragged out of music to just be, cover the hot beats? <laughs>
3: well, that's not what I wanted to do, Bobby. It was, it was it was a temporary job. I answered an ad in the Nashville banner, and it said, reporter wanted, needed journalism degree. And I said, aha, I have a journalism degree. And uh, I answered the ad, and it was Billboard magazine. So I got to tell you the one thing about it, though— working there and working for Bill Williams who was a great influence on me. I learned very very early what what really uh, the music business was about and you had to be a little bit careful. And so learning a music business from the side of covering I think gave me a, a, gave me cover later to figure things out. Yeah.
5: All right, we're on with Jimmy Buffer right now. I'm going to bring I to bring Eddie on who is your biggest fan. He's my best friend and uh, whenever we, you know, we play in a comedy band together, but when we're playing real songs, it's always a Buffett song, Jimmy. I'm gonna And listen, Jimmy, I love you, but I sometimes I'm like, Eddie, enough with the Jimmy Buffett. But here, this is Eddie. I, I'd like to introduce you guys. Eddie, say hi to Jimmy. I
3: love, I love those people that drive other people crazy because
1: they <laughs> love my music so much. Hey, Eddie, what's up? Hey, Jimmy, big fan. I'm a head, Of course, I've been since high school because of my buddy, Brian Wagner. His parents introduced me to your music, and I've been a fan ever since, but... You know, I lived in Austin, and what and what people like to do from their hometowns is always make up stories of like, yeah, 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 Jimmy Buffett wrote Margaritaville here, and I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Like, where did you write Margaritaville? Was it in Austin? And also, they said you wrote it uh, while you were standing at a friend's house. Who was that friend?
3: Well, I did. Yeah, it happened in Austin. I was playing a, a club at that time called the Castle Creek, and that was where and Jerry Jeff had gotten me to Austin. and I can't remember the name of the little Mexican place, but it's not there anymore because I tried to remember it. And my my uh, my friend that, that took me there, we were talking about it, and uh, and so she took me out to the airport because I was living in Key West and and uh, I'd done a show the night before, and so I was a little bit hungover, and so we went and had some um, burritos and a margarita, and it was hot, and I said, "Damn, that was a good margarita." and and I started it there you're like wasting away da, da, da. and then got on a plane from Austin went back to Miami was driving down the Keys going home and uh there was like a a wreck on the seven mile bridge and it stopped traffic and I wrote the end of it on the seven mile bridge and then got to Key West and finished it and did it on stage in the bar I was working in the next night. People seemed to like it. So that, that's how it actually started, yeah.
1: Okay, so they're, they're not all just
3: liars then when they claim no. <laughs> Oh, No, it actually happened that way, yeah.
1: Hang tight.
2: The BobbyCast will be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
0: Bear Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen, and it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress.
1: So Jimmy, I-, I met you a couple of times and it was interesting. The one time I met you, um, I look over and you're-, you're standing behind me, we're at a show and uh, we were watching Jake yeah, the-, the ukulele player. And-, and you're standing right behind me, but you're wearing a suit. You got little glasses on, not exactly how I pictured Jimmy Buffett would be on the streets per se. Is that what you wear when you're normally like a Wednesday at noon? What does Jimmy Buffett wear on just a regular day?
3: This suit thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this this is guy. Kind of, you know, it's weird. I can remember a lot of stuff that's been going on, but I'm thinking, why would I be with listening to Jake Shimmer before backstage somewhere in a suit? Give give me a venue because I I would have only had it on for some reason.
1: Okay, okay. So that's it not was
3: what I wear every day. This is you know this. is It <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: it was Cactus Cafe. And Jake was coming in to play a little show. You guys had another show. I, I think you all were rehearsing your tour over by the ro- the rodeo is what you told me.
3: And oh you yeah, s- yeah. Okay, so okay, so we were in Austin. Correct. Uh, so we were we were all we always rehearse out at the uh, fairground. Right.
1: Correct. That's what you said. Oh,
3: what the hell would
5: I be? Able <laughs> to be <sitting> <laughs> hey, if I could interject for a second, Jimmy, uh, I I met you in Miami at the Super Bowl. Uh, one of my best friends is Andy Roddick, and uh, we went back, and we were saying hello to you, and you were dressed up pretty nice, too, hanging out. So I, I, we don't mean to kill your vibe, <laughs> but you were looking pretty good then, too. You were dressed up. I, all I know is there wasn't a lot of Hawaiian shirts going on.
3: <laughs> so which Super Bowl? Which Super
5: Bowl? Uh, the the Super, Saints? Yes, the Saints Saints over the, the, the Colts. Colts, oh, yeah. Oh,
3: God. I'll be, I don't know why I would have been in a suit. of. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know we're maybe. totally
1: blowing your cover jimmy yeah. sorry
3: <laughs> well i i must say okay boys. every now and then you know but i do i do like to put on a white sport coat every now maybe i was in that <laughs> white sport coat mood i don't know, I don't know. but suits eh, i don't know about suits but but at the maybe i had to make an impression on somebody at the super bowl game i don't know
5: anyone <laughs> else would you like to ask jimmy
1: all right, Jimmy. I have one more. You know, a friend of mine told me he met you one time, and he, he went up to you and said, "Jimmy, I'm a big fan of your music." And your response was, "Oh, you're the one." And so, <laughs> and so. It,
3: well, I, I most of the time, like you just said, you know, that your your best friend, your parents. I always want to thank your parents for raising y'all on this music. That's who I want to thank. <laughs> All
5: right, Jimmy Buffett's on with us. He just released his new album, Life on the Flip Side," on May 29th, which, by the way, uh, just flew up the charts. It was his first studio album in seven years. And so why so long? Why did you take such a break uh, from the last studio album to this studio album, Jimmy?
3: Well, you know, uh, Bobby, it was like I was, other things were happening. And, and, and during that time, and it was uh, we were on a writing spree because I have we were kind of invested in going in the direction of Broadway to do the musical Margaritaville, which took about five years to get up, done, ramped up and on stage. And so that, that wound up being more work than I thought about. And at the, at the time that was happening. And then when, you know, when the playlists and uh, music service things were coming into the thing, I didn't, I didn't know whether albums would still be around to be honest, you know, and I thought maybe we'll do a couple of songs cause we've got the studio cause the interesting thing from having done so many albums, when you do a whole album, you could, as a, you know, I consider the Coral Weaver Band and me more of a performer than than a than a, than a radio artist, because that's what I've done all my life. But it, as a performer, <clears throat> you do an album, you could never put 12 new songs into the show list and try to play them. You always had to find out what, uh, that A, whatever everybody was playing on the radio, or B, what fans were telling you. Or a couple of slots in it. So I just thought that we would kind of keep if we had some songs we go in and record them and then put them up on playlists. And then but I was once we got the uh the musical up and done and then the the road show went on the road and unfortunately had to come off the road when the when the pandemic started. Um but then there was time there and I thought, you know, and Mac and I were talking about it. He said, you know let's go we may not make another album but let's go make one <laughs> he was mac macanell was the catalyst and I he said you got some really good songs here so let's go ahead and write some more and let's let's do a project and I and I, I agree with him and Mike Utley. and so you know that was two years ago so that 5 years before that it was it was a lot of time invested in going on the road writing and rewriting for the Broadway show and uh, and that's that's where i was
5: all right, Life on the flip side came out May 29th. It's out right now. Stream it, buy it. I got two more questions for you. Question number one is, you were born on Christmas Day. How do gifts work with you? Do they have to get you two gifts? Do they, is it just all one one big Jimmy Day on Christmas Day? Like what happens there?
3: Well, my mother insisted that family members like my aunts and uncles down there, I had one, one, uh, one family string was in Pascagoula, Mississippi, the other was in Gulfport, so... They all had to buy me two presents, but knowing my family, it usually was like socks and a rosary bead. (laughs) Uh, You know, it it was. Let's just say they were not useful objects for me at the time. But I got two of something. So, uh, and but the worst thing about it, I was the last guy in my class to get his driver's license so you know that summer of turning everybody else was 16 I, that was the most excruciating time because everybody else was driving and you know and so it was it was that teenage thing that i didn't have my license and i wasn't cool so that was the hardest thing about
5: it. Uh, on with jimmy buffett on with Jim- one final question do you ever go into a margaritaville and just have something to eat and not tell them it's you or do you go in and try to convince them it's you and they don't believe you
3: both of those have happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what's happened is yes, I've i tried to go in and just uh, and go in when when it was the first margarita when there was only one when the first was started in Key West and then we had one in New Orleans before we kind of chained out. But yeah, I'd go in there and just to eat and then but people would come up and usually the one that got you was they'd look at you and you'd go, "You're not him." <laughs> <laughs> They didn't even ask the question. They say, "Hey, they went. You're not him, or <laughs> else it's." And then I go, "Well, yeah, I am. Show me your driver's license." It's just like, you know, like, <laughs> I went, "Wait a minute
5: here." <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Jimmy. Uh, congratulations on the new music, and uh, you know, but you know, been able to spend a little time with you randomly at different charity events, and you've always been super nice to a random guy that always walked up to you. So I appreciate that, and. Appreciate the time you spent here with me and my buddy, Eddie. He's a massive fan. Oh, yeah,
1: it was amazing. Thank you so much,
5: Jimmy. Appreciate it. And uh, maybe I'll see you at the Opry, huh, Bobby? All right, Jimmy. Looking forward to it. See you soon. All
3: right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Pleasure. Bye-bye.
2: This has been a BobbyCast production. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.